0: And welcome to Kicking Match. We are a weekly Irish League podcast... My name is Peter Cinnamon and somebody better start saving up for that Gibson Cup Taxi Ride. As at this rate, an internal Belfast journey might not cut it for the first time in over 20 years. And unfortunately Bandsiders fans, it's not looking like a Northwest trip is on the cards either. We run down another sterling week of Premiership action which saw Leeds extended and gaps cut. Lots to talk about from the top. To the lower middle and yes even all the way down to the bottom pour down fans at least for now so lock in as we skim through it all faster than the rate with which seanmers price tag shoots up every week good week fun week i thought obviously that all depends on your football persuasion i am yet to figure out who the majority of you listeners you fine listeners support i really should be able to use my stats to sort that out i've I've had numerous people tell me that they struggle to listen to the podcast when their teams had a bad week which means my mid-ulster listenership has completely flipped in recent weeks if that's the truth my distributor has started counting spotify followers as a stat it sits there on my little page so before we get into this week's nitty and gritty if that is your platform of choice and for two-thirds it is if you fancy hit follow you'll get a notification saying boom peter's finally uploaded it go check it out rather than like constantly going oh has he done it yet no no and the benefit is that of course will warm the cockles of my heart and feed my very very fragile ego right uh journalist Uh, Joining me this week, he's also a blogger and someone that truly knows a thing or two about being a die-hard football fan in this country. His team's recent struggles would make most of you look like a bunch of fair-weather supporters, which also just happens to be the term that anti-Summer League supporters call, well, the restiest. A big kicking match. Welcome to Lewis Bennett. it. Lewis, how are you? How's it? All's good before we go anywhere. We will touch upon it later on in the podcast, but you know, to a lot of football fans, if you follow Irish League, they kind of look at you funny and go, that's a strange way to spend your Saturday. Why aren't you following some of the big teams for you? You're there in the trenches. You're a banger, man. How's life in the PIL, sir?
1: Oh, you know, there's just something about following a team in the lower leagues that's just a it's a different sensation, I suppose, to to be in the big time. It's it's a different environment, it's a change in scenery. You grind hop around just, you know, a few clubs that have pride histories, a couple of new clubs, a couple of clubs that are there for the ride and, and all the like, and that certainly attracts me.
0: Now, you listening right now, I, I assume you are a fan of one of the premiership teams or just below. See the way Lewis has described the way he watches football? I know it sounds very similar to us because that's how we sound when we're talking to Liverpool fans. You know, they're, or Man United fans are like, yeah, yeah, I guess it's the same sport, but it feels very different and odd. I guess you are banger, born, bred and buttered?
1: That's quite right. So what, what
0: else could it be? You've been through the ringer of the past few years, really.
1: Going from the darkest of depths to... Trying to work your way back up, it's a it's a fresh experience and a fresh perspective, Peter.
0: Let's go to the darkness of that place. Was there a moment where you're like, "Wow, we are not in Kansas, we're not in Ballyclare anymore"?
1: Well, twenty seventeen, the club goes out of the Irish League down into the depths of the Ballymena League. No disrespect to the Ballymena League, but you know that's a bit of a strange place for a club like Bangor to be going down to that level, spending of course a couple of seasons there. Supporters also do fondly remember the second of those two seasons being the centenary year of the club and ultimately winning promotion back to the Irish League with an unbeaten season and a couple of trophies that you can win at that level, the McReynolds Cup and the like. It gives you a new perspective as a football fan, but truth be told, you know, it's it's important and good for the club that we're back in the Irish League and. Now I have eyes set, hopefully next season on on Championship football. So going down to those levels and working your way up, and you know it's just, it's just fun. It's fun to be around. We'll dive
0: into a little bit of PIL Premier Intermediate League stuff later on in the podcast. But just hearing you talk about that, I feel as though I'm not as much a hard lad football fan that I think. You know, when I go into work and I talk about watching Irish League football, you know what? There is a bit of me that's like, yeah, lad, you guys don't know it. You don't know real football, but all of a sudden, I feel like the biggest prawn sandwich brigade uh, I ever have. Uh, but, of course, the history of Banger, you'll want to move up through the leagues, potentially get back into the top flight. Very different circumstances, but a club who's been able to get up there and are now potentially within arm's reach of the biggest piece of silverware this country has. We've got eight games to go, but right now, if there was a box seat, it's Lorne sitting in it. Big derby win on Saturday. I thought that could have been a banana skin, and I was right to a point. If we look back and there is Inver red and white around the Gibson Cup, we will look back to this weekend and go, that was one of the moments where it could have all went wrong. Lauren, go to Taylors Avenue. They win 3 2. What a frenetic second half. Karkar, there's this little little thorn in their side that's trying to make trouble for them. I don't know if they can really believe that they're in the position that they're in. But Lauren, it's in their hands right now, isn't it? It's theirs to lose. As Stephen Baxter said, they are the front runners.
1: Oh, for sure. And. I think what you see from the way that that game at Sailors Avenue transpired is that Lauren definitely have a bit of bottle about them. And perhaps in the past couple of seasons, we've asked questions. Do they have it in them to go the distance? I think a result like that, where they had been pegged back, they took the lead, and then shortly after had been pegged back to 1-1. You're asking questions at the moment. Do they have what it takes to win that sort of game? Carrick, a tough place to go. A venue where the likes of Linfield and Crusaders have fallen and they go out and you know they go three one up and perhaps there was a the late blow of Kean Bolger going off a handball on the goal line Kyle Cherry putting some nerves back in with that late spot kick but I have to say I was very impressed by the way that Larne came through uh, and and show that steel to come out and, and just pick up the points and, and keep that six-point lead that they have uh, at the top of the table. Um, And obviously, they've got Linfield on the Tuesday night, not this Tuesday, but the Tuesday after, and that's going to be a big game. That's going to be one that all the players are going to be fired up for, and that's going to be another game where they're going to have to show that sort of, that bottle, that, that mental resolve to pull through. But Certainly from looking at that game at Carrick, it is a tough place to go. Carrick have taken some scalps and, and Larne, obviously who had drawn nil-nil with them in the Boxing Day derby, they go out and they get three precious points there. And I think the other thing is that Larne have, have prepared for the situation. You look at their January recruitment. Andy Ryan, who was on the score sheet once again, his fourth goal uh, in six matches for Larne, That sort of all-round striker who... who has built a chemistry with his teammates in, in, a, in a very short space of time. That can be difficult to do sometimes. But I think coming into the fold there, he's he's adapted well and got a good goal. So I think in terms of their resolve and their strength and depth that they've added to in January and from winning penalty shootouts that have given them confidence, you have to say, I think on paper, Lauren are the favourites to, to win the Gibson Cup.
0: I have started a new little feature because I found it on Spotify. So if you're one of my uh, Spotify listeners, I know there's other little places you can listen to this on. Uh, I put up a poll. I'm going to try and make this a weekly thing. I asked the very generic question, uh, which of the six teams do you think are the favourite to win the league? Lorne, come out, top. So there is a bit of belief behind them as well. And you're right when you mention it. The penalty shootout wins over Linfield. The big games where they could have faltered, they are showing they've got steel because they could have been shaking there, Taylor's Avenue, but they don't. They get the goals. And you, and you talk about Ryan there. When you're looking at January transfer's win, particularly in the top six, he looks as though the one that settled the best. He looks like the one that's had the biggest impact. He only gets one to his name on the score sheet, but that second goal... Yes, it goes to Paul O'Neill, but he's the one to have the vision to pick up the ball at the edge of the box and ping it. And yes, it gets a deflection, but that's his goal that he makes. When you looked at Lauren, you went, they could have done with the third striker when you have O'Neill and Bonus up there, but he's broken into the side and he's not letting his shirt go. He's been a, a real coy addition there.
1: Certainly. You know, you look at a team in Lauren's position, the January transfer, for window can often be a key point in the season where you can get reinforcements in. Lauren have obviously got Ryan, they've also added Joe Thompson and Michal Glynn, you know, in a short space of time, and, and they've done well. I look at Lauren's position in the table and, you know, they've got Linfield, they've got Balamina and they've got Coleraine uh, as their final three fixtures before the split. I am looking at that game against Linfield as one of the season defining games where they can really lay down a marker because when do Linfield come into the reckoning and when do they find, when do they turn the screw and, and surge their way towards the title? There's going to be a weight of expectation for that game. If Lauren can come through that, then for me, they're undeniably going into the split as as the favorites to win the title. And of course, you look at their away form as well. I mean, they're they're leading the pace. They've got 35 points now, which is the best in the league. So they're able to go to tough venues and and pick up maximum points. And that has been a real big reason, I think, why they have managed to stay in the hunt for this long, because it's good winning games at home, of course. It's good having good home form. But when you're going on the road and, and you're playing, I guess, on the opposition's terms, You've got to go out there and, and make your stamp and, and prove yourself. And the statistics don't lie in that sense And that Larner are, are pulling their weight on the road as well as, as at Inver Park.
0: You're absolutely right. They are. Five wins from the past five. I talked a few weeks ago about how their defence is being key. Only 18 goals conceded in 30 games. And we see how last week, how big that win against Cliftonville could be. You're right to pick up this Linfield game. They've got to play the Blues twice before the end of the season. And we look back at the games they've had against Linfield. One where they go in around Halloween and they just run the show at Windsor Park. A real defining game of that early part of the season. Score four, look, electric. Linfield show them what's going on a couple of weeks later. But these two clashes are going to be big. But we also talk about how Wow, when it comes to this split, it's going to be so close. The title could be in anybody's hands. But we go to that Linfield game. Lauren have seven points on Linfield. See how the game's played. If they win that, it goes up to ten. Lauren have the chance to be sitting really pretty going into that split. And they'll need that because we've seen sometimes when they have the knock. Yes, they've been able to bounce back fairly well. But well, I feel as though it took a while for them to get that Boxing Day disappointment, that draw against Caracas. It took a while for them to get that out of their system. And now that, look, I think this is the first time I've spent this opening gambit, of the podcast, talking so much about Laram. Because, look, they haven't been here before. They've been sniffing, but they've never being this close to the glass when it comes to the Gibson Cup. This is a weird question to ask yourself as, as somebody who's a journalist, but someone asked me who is not a fan of the Irish League, but how would that feel if Lorne won the league? Because people outside of the Irish League look at examples where there's been a big investor. We're talking about Man City coming in, getting their multiple billions of pounds. We see PSG going from this club with massive potential, becoming an absolute... Dominant force in Europe, dominating the French League. And they kind of said to me, what would be the reaction from people? Do you think within Irish League circles they're looking at Lauren as just a quote-unquote money team and as if they, quote them again, did they just buy the league? And I kind of thought about it for a while and I said, you know, as much as it's clear, there's been a massive amount of investment. Lauren, as many will know, was a middling championship team for a number of years, hadn't been in the league for well over a decade since they brought it down to 12. And Inver Park was a really tired ground. And look, in Irish league terms, £100,000 for a striker may as well be £100 million in Premier League standards. So look, they've spent money and they've made no secret about it. However, I feel as though broadly across the league, and maybe you can reflect a different point of view, I think the openness of Kenny Bruce, who invested a lot of his money into the club to engage with fans, his openness that this is more than just an on-the-pitch project. I think we've all been able to see from what's... Change at Denver Park, the redevelopment there, all the stuff off the pitch as well. This training center. I'm sure if we're sitting here three, four years from now, and Lauren have won multiple league titles. I think you may hear a couple more fans from some of the other clubs here around there saying uh they've got more money than us, and that's annoying me. And I look, I don't know the how much money they have compared to other clubs. But I think generally people go, okay, they've somewhat fast-tracked their development with investment, but I don't think there's a real growing sense of people going, ah, Lauren have completely wrecked the league with this investment they've gotten.
1: No, I agree there, Peter. I think Lauren winning the league would be quite a refreshing sight. You know, it's obviously now been 21 years since Ronnie McFall won the last of his four Gibson Cups at Portadown, and the title has stayed in Belfast ever since, and now you have Lauren coming in and, and trying to gate crash the party. But as you say there, Lauren have set a blueprint to be more than just a football club and to achieve more than just sporting success. And the community has very much been at the heart of Kenny Bruce's project. Inver Park's been completely transformed so that it's generating a, a vibrant match day experience. And obviously just this season, getting the new training center open and, and investing in that you get that sense of a project, and obviously with the training centre also being open to the community, you've got involvement and that ethos that Larne have have always sought to hold since Kenny Bruce first started investing in the club. Whenever Kenny took over Larne in the first place, they were a bottom-half championship club, and now five or six years later, they've come in and fighting a battle that they've never really fought before at, at this high plinth at the top end of the premiership. The first couple of seasons, if you could say, they were building towards this and, and laying out their platform and trusting Tiernan Lynch to lead the philosophy. And they've taken this next step this season, which is to fight for the title. And Kenny Bruce did say that when he started investing, that it was a dream of his that he wanted to hear the Champions League mo- music playing before games at Inver Park. The way that they've been going, they've certainly invested in the here and now, but also in the future. You know, they've got programmes going on focusing on integrating youth products and they've got a, a talented youth academy and, and certain partnerships that they're also availing of in, in that sense as well. I think it's harsh to call Larn a money club whenever I think it's simply just they're evolving with the times of the Irish League. Obviously, full-time football is now coming into the league and, and Linfield Glentor and, and Crusaders have all taken up full-time models alongside Larn. So from that point of view, I think Larne have contributed to an increase in the quality of the Irish League as a whole and also brought life into Larne as well with that sense of community and that sense of involvement. So I would personally like to see Larne be up there and, and fighting uh, for the title, you know, even just as a club from outside Belfast, we've seen Coleraine twice come very, very close to winning the title. We've seen Glen Avon up there in the past fighting, you know, four third place finishes at the peak of their powers under Gary Hamilton and a couple of Irish cup wins. So I think from that point of view as well, it's important that the clubs outside of Belfast are finding a way to, to be competitive because the climate's evolving and, you know, there's going to be problems that come up in the sense that, for example, there's 20, there's near enough 20 points that are splitting the top six and the bottom six as we enter the split. So that's another thing that we're going to have to look to in terms of evolving from that climate. But relating to Lauren as a whole, I think they've certainly enhanced the quality of the league and trusting Tieran Lynch and being transparent. Of course, you mentioned there, Kenny Briss being open to supporters and the board being open it is as much about wanting to leave a legacy as much as it is building a successful football club, which I think it can't be denied that Lauren are definitely succeeding in.
0: This week really highlighted something to me when we look at our structure that we have in the Irish league and the story in, in the league of Ireland that Dundalk is potentially going to be taken over by owners connected to Hull City and uh, I talked to Kieran Burke from the Between the Stripes League of Ireland podcast a week and a half ago just about you know how that league is having new owners in and an investment and there's been a lot of controversy about how Dundalk could be taken over by Hull because the situation there could be that Dundalk would almost be a feeder team for Hull and I know that's the reality of it, but when you really see quotes coming out from Hull City talking about how, well, if Dundalk were to come under our umbrella, their style of play would need to mirror ours. When you think of a team with the history of Dundalk and the success they've had and the size of that club, essentially being told, okay guys, you guys are playing four three three, whatever, you think... You know, that's the soul of a club, surely, to think we can't play whatever formation we want. And that that's when you look at someone like Kenny Bruce, Lauren fans must just think this is this is as good as it, it can get and it's a lovely story outside of that, outside of football, to see somebody from the town create their fortune, come back, have the success that they've had, and also just seem to be enjoying it, it is a great story no matter what happens to Lauren. So I just thought I'd reflect that as that was interesting and an example that actually money doesn't absolutely guarantee success what happened in North Belfast were part-timers, Cliftonville, which I feel as though slightly condescending what an incredible team they have took care of business against Glentoran, all but blunting their own potential late title charge. And the star of the show once again was young Sean Murr. The absolute highlight of his Cliftonville career so far. He gets both goals in a fantastic performance. Feels like nothing can stop that young man right now. It's really got me thinking about who have really been the starlets, the young talents we've seen this league go through. And where does he rank among there? Cliftonville shake off that really disappointing loss against Lauren last week and say, hey... We're not out of this yet. And it's true. Disappointing for Glenn I know not a lot of people really believed they could turn it all around and be back up amongst the top teams. It looks as though that's that's all but faded now. But Cliftonville are here. And yes, it was a blip against Lauren. But they're ready to fight for this title to the absolute bitter end, it seems. Yep.
1: It uh, looks like they're going to be up there once again. And... On Sean Mur, two absolutely outstanding goals. The first one was just absolutely technique personified. He just picks the ball out and he picks his spot, and the placement of it all was just an absolutely brilliant take from outside the box, as if he used the outside of his boot just to get a little bit of curl on it and and beat Aaron McCarry at his near post. And then the second goal I was really impressed with because it was Sean Moore who won the ball high up the pitch. And then he he works his way through a couple of challenges. Indeed, And again, he just picks his spot and buries it, really. Two really good goals. And obviously I mentioned as well for Terry Devlin, who scored Glenn Torren's goal. He's been in absolutely brilliant form recently. And the way he can spread passes across the pitch is, is absolutely sublime and I definitely rate him as one of the best young midfielders in in the Irish League at the moment. Cliftonville going well. Paddy McLaughlin continues to do an absolutely brilliant job. I know Paddy as well mentioned about expanding the training sessions, so Cliftonville training three times a week to try and get up a bit more on par with the full-time clubs. I know he has also spoken about that he would welcome the opportunity for Cliftonville to potentially go full-time at some point in the future, but he's willing to work within his means in that in that perspective. And the way that they're going at the moment, they're able to go two-to-two with the top clubs and the way they're set up, they're, they're still churning out really good performances and, and and winning their games. And then obviously you've got up top, you've got the likes of Ronan Hale, who's came into the club, Obviously it was part of that deal. Aaron Donnelly went to Larne and, and Ronan Hale went to Cliftonville. Um, is it twenty-four goals that Ronan Hale has in his first season at Cliftonville? You know, it's it's absolutely sublime.
0: And they're great goals as well. They come from all over the pitch. Some of them are are little mazy runs, some of them are just the old starter getting to the box and, and whacking it in. But if there's a highlight reel of goals I would like to see at the end of the season, I can only see one. I think Ronan Hill would have to be one of them because he's just so creative and dangerous and dogged. One of the most skillful players we have in this league.
1: Oh, what a signing he's been for Cliftonville, really. He's, he's just got the agility. He's got the pace. You know, he takes people on. You know, he scored a couple of spectacular goals this season and it feels like nothing can stop him. He's just got that resilience to go again and again and again. And even when it seems... Bets are against him when he's getting an opportunity, he still is able to find a way and get a quality effort at goal. So I've been really impressed by Ronan Hill. Another point on Cliftonville is they've still been able to hold out even when a couple of injuries have arose. Obviously, first half of the season, Levi Ives, who's such a key resource in terms of attacking play down the left hand side and from set pieces. Luke Turner filling in at left back at the start of the season and Chris Lowe on the other side have both been very able in doing that. And Levi Ives obviously coming back in has has picked up where he's left off from last season. I think Cliftonville do have a bit more depth on their side and there's goals all across the team. I think Cliftonville are again going to very much be in the reckoning. They are a team that can also switch it up in terms of their style of play. Sometimes they knock the ball up out and are a bit more fluid. Other times they can just go long and, and there's a player like Ronan Hale who's up there to to latch onto them. So there are different dimensions to Cliftonville's game. And, of course, you've Joe the goal. You know, he's evergreen at the moment. He's still got that panache about him, even if he's not as involved in the overall play. He's a fox in the box and he knows where the goal is. So
0: And their home games are going to be vital as they are for every other team four
1: out of their five and home.
0: they are unbeaten at home in the league all season that gives them the confidence looking at that that game mm. uh, beforehand i kind of thought well glenn Turner looking good will cliffhanger bounce back but once again that that solitude factor is a big one for Cliftonville and could be absolutely pivotal you talk about maybe them going full time perhaps they need a bit of investment to get there perhaps there's a little chip known as sean Murr that they could cash in on that could be beneficial to help them make that leap i'm going to jump on this and use this feature until it gets boring i'm going to use the little poll on spotify if you're a spotify listener you might see that sitting there already may have jumped in early but i've decided i'm going to pose it to you guys right now it's going to close at about noon on the monday next week of who you think, over the past few years, you would say is the best young talent to come out of the league. The names I'm going to put in there is, of course, Sean Murr. I'm going to put Stuart Dallas, Gavin White, Patrick Kelly, Paul Smith, and I've also stuck in Mark Sykes. Of those six names, if you could only pick one, who would you say? Different positions, different ages, different clubs, different circumstances, but out of them... We've saw a few progress their career. Who would you say has been the biggest starlet based on their Irish League career?
1: Oh, he must be. Yeah, uh, just coming into the fold. Of-
0: Sean Moore is right up there,
1: I'd say. He's made that impression and in terms of his fleet foot, his way that he just works around people and, and is able to fashion chances out of nothing. He's just got that dancing feet about him. He's, a bit, he's quite tall, but he's also got the pace and he's got the touch. Certainly, if clubs across the water were looking at him, I think if they've got the pathway going there, as, as some clubs like West Ham and Nottingham Forest do, they could make very good use of them.
0: Well, another team that's shaking their chain, saying, hey, we're not out of it yet, and we all know what they've done before. Linfield welcomed Coleraine up to Windsor Park after 2 nil nil draws between the teams this season. Linfield turned the screw, get the goals... Also condemn Korean season to be a fight for a European place. I think when you look at Linfield right now, with Big Vertinen up there and Cal Lafferty starting up top, I don't think you would call Linfield a long ball team. But that has to rank up there as some of the tallest geos in the entirety of Europe. That is some strike force to be going into this run at your disposal.
1: Certainly, against Korean at the weekend, they find a way again a penalty from Chris Shields in the first half and a close range for a tiny that got them all the points that they needed. The penalty, I thought, was a little bit on the harsh side. I can understand why the referee gave it, but... I agree. It's a minor flick off Dean Jarvis's arm. He's close range and there's not... I don't think there's that much he can do about it, really, but you have to say, when they're given, you have to take advantage, and Chris Shields certainly did that. It was a composed penalty, sent Gareth Dean the wrong way, and find a way to give Linfield an an early lead. Start of the second half. Dean again. Really good save from Matthew Clark. And Vertanen's there on the rebound. He's alert. It's that striker's instinct. He just gets in and, and puts it into the net for the for the second goal of the game. And Vertanen, who we've generally seen produces best, work against teams in the bottom six, who it's felt like he's bullied at times. He's come up. Black track bully. <laughs> uh well. He's obviously got that goal against Glenn Torrin on Boxing Day, and he's got this one here, so he's made it count. You know, Linfield have won the games they're supposed to against the bottom six, and I think that's a big reason why they're in the hunt. They've, apart from that blip at the start of the season after the the penalty shootout with RFS that Linfield fans will dread me mentioning, yeah. they've uh, they've picked up the points that they've needed to against the teams that they're expected to beat in the bottom bottom half and and it's not always been pretty you know you've had for example glenn avon who twice gave linfield scares but linfield twice came from behind to to beat them and and that was a hallmark of course of how they won the title last year just finding a way to grind it out from that point of view i think if if linfield can translate that at this crucial stage of the season we've talked about the Lauren game at length but of course there's the entire split to come and they're going to have to turn the screw against the top six teams and and that's how they're going to win the title. If they are to, they've laid down a good marker against Corin, albeit perhaps not necessarily a Corin who are at their fluid best at the moment. They've got a couple of players out, right, and obviously they've been hit with that further blow of, of Jamie Glacken's long-term suspension. So it, it was just important that Linfield got the job done from that point of view, that they they picked up the points. Against Corrin, because uncharacteristically, there have been questions about whether Linfield can do the job against the teams around them. You know, against Glenn Torin at the Oval recently, you know, Glenn Torren were very much deserved winners on that occasion. But if they can properly get up and use this result as a springboard to beat the teams around them, That'll be how they fashion their pathway to a fifth title in six years.
0: And they will they will need to show that because, as spoken about in this podcast numerous times, they simply haven't done that. They've got the odd result here or there, but when the pressure is on, Linfield have not shown up. That win against Corain is a part of them... Building up trust, let's just say, in the fan base that they can take on these big games. A disappointing result for Korea, and it was an absolute outsider's chance. But similarly to Linfield, they also, if they want to progress, if they want to be closer in these title races moving forward. It's the big games that they need to win. They've had some good draws and going to Windsor Park is absolutely a tough ask but we've seen plenty of draws from them as well and I've saw questions about this uh, online and within the media and I think it's fair to reflect. I love Matthew Sheldon. I think he's an amazing striker. He is qualities, I'd say, he's akin to Robbie Fowler, Fox in the Box, but can do great running, hold up play, everything. But perhaps with Cole Rain. Yes, he's the focal point. But perhaps have they been too reliant on him to be the person to deliver the goods, to seal the deal? Yes, oftentimes it's other players' great work that delivers the final ball to Shevlin. I'm not denying that most of the goals that he's scored, he's hasn't done a huge amount of work in the build-up for it, or he's just the one tapping it in, right? But... For Corain, when they look to tackle what the European playoff will, will give them or adjust in the off season, will one of them be how do we change it up? How do we be less reliant on Shevlin? Even though, of course, I think Matthew Shevlin's their best player.
1: Yes, uh, Matthew Shevlin, the league's top scorer on 21 goals. You're going a bit of a way down for the next go- top goal scorer for Corain, which is uh, which is Conor McKendry who's who's got four certainly Matthew Shevlin has been an in inspired goal scoring form for for much of this campaign but certainly then there is that question is where are the other goals going to come from if he's maybe not getting the service or he's not quite having the run of finishing that he that he does when he's he's at his absolute pomp the past couple of results for Coleraine, you know They ground out a 1-0 win against Newry, where, of course, Shevlin scored the only goal of the game early on. And then a 2-0 defeat to Crusaders. No shame in that, considering Crusaders' excellent home form, but they will have been disappointed to drop points. And then again at Linfield, you know, Linfield find a way to put them in the back of the net and and Colerain ultimately aren't. So the way it is with Colerain is, of course, Conor McDermott, who's been deployed at centre-back because there's a shortage of depth at the moment in that position of fit options for Warren Kearney to play there and McDermott's played his trade as one of the best attack-minded fullbacks in in the league this season and now you've got Lyndon Kane, who's moved to right back from the centre of midfield to cover the space that McDermott's in. It's a
0: team which, when I check out their starting 11 every week, seems to chop and change and be quite fluid be that uh, a tactical thing be that just resting players or setting up a different team to to take on who's ahead of them it, it has changed from maybe a 433 or maybe a 442 the odd week um, they have for better or for worse it hasn't been the most settled starting 11 all year
1: and obviously you've got that dependence when you you look at the scoring statistics of Shevlin and how he's led the mantle in that respect. And this is the time of the season, I suppose, if you want to test your title credentials where other players are going to have to come in and step up. They're 14 points behind Lauren now with the same number of games played. Yeah, certainly I think Oren Kearney can take positives uh, in terms of that he's found a formula that's worked. For large parts of this season, obviously they had that good run, of they had that long unbeaten run, and whereas last season they had a pretty flat ending overall where Glenavon and you know, Meo were I suppose within touching distance, they both had bottom half finishes, but their points tallies were around the same and Kearney did make changes in the summer in terms of the style of play, which and Shevlin's been a key part of that transition. A couple of players have played in new positions and, and played in different ways. I think the positive that Corian can take from this season is that there is at least a foundation that can be built on going forward. But there is that question, you know, do they have the depth at the present moment to sustain that? And, you know, where what areas could they be potentially a bit stronger in, for example, with their shortages in, in defence at the moment?
0: Because that was such a strength for them. In the middle part of that season there, they really tightened things up, went a number of yeah. games, they like conceding a the goal, keeping it really tight. And obviously, when you don't have the same personnel, that's when that can fall off for them. So, disappointing. I'm also going to have to go into the news part of this. So, you reflected on it earlier. co player Jamie Glacken is facing a 10-mats suspension from the IFA. They published there that he has been found to be in breach of Article 27.2, which reads as follows. Anyone who offends the dignity of a person or group of persons through contemptuous, discriminatory or degeneratory words or actions concerning disability, gender or sexual orientation shall be suspended, and this is in bold, for a minimum of 10 matches furthermore a fine shall be imposed where the perpetrator is a player a minimum of 500 pounds will be imposed on senior clubs so it hasn't been publicly said what they're referring to clearly fans of any club will be frustrated to see any sort of suspension for a player based on things that potentially happened off the pitch what this did lead to was a lot of fans going online and attempting to find comments that would be considered offensive or would be considered slurs from other players across the league posted on social media throughout the past. I saw some people posting up remarks made by some players 10 years ago. It's not really clear how that works in regards to this but it is disappointing to see an Irish player on social media or in real life, post such comments that could be seen to be breaking this guideline.
1: Yes, and on a sporting level for Korean, it would be a blow, because obviously in a couple of weeks' time, Korean have got the, the League Cup final, the Bet-McLean Cup final, which they will play against Linfield. So for many, viewed that game as potentially sort of like a, a test run, if you like. Where are these two clubs sat? ahead of a game in which silverware will be on the line for Oren Carey, if Jimmy Glacken receives this 10 game suspension it could mean that he misses the entire rest of the season and with the role that Glacken has in midfield and how he carries the ball upfield and um has been a creative outlet from that point of view it's going to be a miss for corian in that department um so it'll be disappointing news for corian but of course with the alleged comments and along those lines, it's disappointing to see an Irish League player potentially fall foul of that sort of thing.
0: And I'm not going to use this space as a place to debate what words mean cause offence or doesn't cause offence or, or does it deserve such such a ban. It's clear there, black and white, minimum 10 games. This is either something that players are aware of or there's no excuse. The rules are there, and I'm sure fans will be disappointed that's the case, but we're not going to get into that discussion. Uh, well, we are also going to reflect that Linfield are also appealing a decision made against them, which the headline reads, the IFS put a ban on home supporters going to their game at Windsor Park versus Newry City on Saturday the 18th of March. They were deemed to have broken article which pretty much reads that a visiting club is liable for improper conduct among its own group of spectators so a whole lot of stuff in that article but it pretty much says your club you're responsible for your supporters if it's away game 33.1 is pretty much the same rule except you are responsible for home supporters within that article it says that further sanctions outlined in article 1.9 of this code may be Imposed Now, what this seems to be for is action by Linfield supporters in their game against Glen at the Oval. That game saw reports of objects being thrown on the pitch, bottles being thrown on the pitch, players being hit by these objects. And of course, we should also reflect here that Linfield have already seen sanctions against them. We saw a two-month ban from supporters in the Cup. For actions at Windsor Park, also against Glen Torn in October, we also go back to the 27th of December 2021, also against Glen Torn, where Linfield were fined a thousand pounds for s- supporter misconduct, and what was the. Big Boxing Day plus one Derby. And in that, you can look back at media reports saying that, look, further supporter misconduct could lead to bigger fines and could lead to what we're going to read here in Article 1.9, a fine, a suspension, an interim suspension, a transfer ban playing without spectators. Stephen Beacom talked about how this, in his article in the Belfast Telegraph a number of months ago, that this could be on the cards. Linfielder also appealing it but i think this is a really big step by the ifs saying there has been a number of issues related to supporter misconduct we have warned that this could be on the cards and they have taken action you can get into the details of what section the fans did this or shouldn't punish all fans ultimately linfield are culpable as it says in article 33.2 again i think you'll also reflect that this is disappointing that we've got to this place and also is another warning that in this rule says that in 1.9 again, we could also see annulment of the result of the match, expulsion from a competition, defeat by forfeit and a deduction of points. That is all on the cards unless Linfield can curb these issues in regards to supporter misconduct. A big step from the IFA this week. Which is being appealed by Linfield.
1: Yes, and of course pending the result of that outcome. And to be honest, I think it's it's gonna it's obviously gonna disappoint home fans of Linfield, you know, particularly those who were not necessarily involved in the alleged conduct that took place in terms of the fact that they are being sanctioned, I suppose, for Behavior that wasn't necessarily their fault, as they would perhaps perceive it, the behavior of a minority. When you've got these sorts of warnings coming out that you've committed an offence and you've been sanctioned for it, and you've been warned that a repeat offence could lead to more severe sanctions, I think that's something that you're going to want to avoid, both in terms of your conduct as a spectator and from the point of view of the club. It will be interesting to see how the outcome of the appeal. Transpires, I think from a supporter's point of view, we need to make sure that alleged misconduct is, is ironed out of the game as, as best as possible.
0: General Manager David Graham of Linfield said that the club would be prepared to ban what he described as mindless idiots. To quote him, I think it's also fair to reflect again in the League of Ireland, Derry made a big statement over the past week saying look we're getting a lot of fines and we're concerned about the safety of fans in relation to displays with flares they said outright that they've taken steps that the area of the Brandywell where this has been going on these displays of flares have been going on they're going to put stewards there to stop people sitting there and if they see anybody with a flare at a game they're going to ban them for life that is how strongly they're taking this from a financial point of view because of their fines and also in relation to fan safety. They're taking a bold approach. You're right to say that this is a minority uh, causing this issue but it does show that clubs are prepared and organisations are prepared to take very strong action. Is the escape on? Paul McElroy scores his first ever hat-trick his first ever goals for Portadown in a 3-1 win a huge result for the mid-ulster men against their basement rivals dungannon albeit dungannon are quite far away at them still eight points away but that a loss there at charmer park for Portadown on on friday night could have finished them off but it is now curry who's the manager beating his chest clapping high above his head He's the hometown hero. That's two wins in a row. I'm going to steal this stat from the Fly Nets boys, who have their own podcast, so there's a plug for them if you want to listen to more Ashley content. They said to me that's the first time that Portadown have won two games in a row since last March, when Coleraine and Balamina were beaten by Portadown. It's still technically possible, but particularly with the Newry win against Glenavon, which we'll also talk about, is all of this too little, too late for Portadown?
1: Well, could it be? Could be too little, too late, but it could also be the beginning of something great. Beating Glenavon was huge. Beating Dungannon on the Friday night was huge. Three well-taken goals from Paul McElroy, one of them from the penalty spot. And with Carrick Rangers and Newry to come in the next two matches, Portadown have begun to gel. Prior to those two victories, their standard of performances had been improving. For example, they they drawn nil 0 with Ballymena United. Uh, and game they were perhaps unfortunate uh, not to pick up maximum points from. But the win against Glenavon in a derby, you have to credit Portadown there. They rose to the occasion and, and they deserved the win. And then against Dungan and Swifts, you're thinking if Portadown have any chance even of finishing in the playoff place they have to pick up three points from that game and I felt they showed great resilience after Ethan McGee had leveled for Dungannon to come back there's certainly persistence and there's fight in this Portadown team it could be too little too late of course they probably need a bit of help in terms of other results but they're starting to pick up victories now and they're starting to put in their performances and translate those performances into results. I think it's fair to say that they could make a stab of it, surely.
0: It's interesting because you go into the game thinking, right, all the pressure's Porter on. Dungannon haven't got a whole lot on them. At this stage, you're not saying Dungannon can afford to lose it, but they at least have the wiggle room where they could. And it was close. Dungannon pull a goal back in the second half. They then have a shot go off the crossbar when I think it was maybe 2-1 at that time. So it could have all been very, very different. But Paul McElroy gets the penalty. I have questions. Looking at the BBC's version, I have I have questions of was there contact that led up to the penalty? I don't think Portadown fans will really care. They're loving life. They've got two wins in a row. And now we're sitting at the bottom of the table looking. 29 games played. Portadown have got 12 points. Dungannon... Are 8 points ahead. But Portadown have a game in hand. If they were to win that. All of a sudden it's 5. And then we are potentially in business. We could be sitting. A lot of drama could be on their way. But a team who looked as though they were the team that were sinking like a stone. Newry City. Yes it's against the team at the bottom of the foreign table right now in the league. Huge result for Newry City against Glenavon down at Mooranview Park. They pick up three points again. This is a team who'd only scored three goals in their last 10 games. They hadn't scored any goals in their last five. They get two, they get the three points, and perhaps Newry could start to breathe and start to feel, you know what, we're not just going to fall away. We're not going to let this season run away from us. We are going to fight because there is fighting this team and they'll be looking up going we want nothing to do with bottom and we want nothing to do with 11th. Can Yuri also go on their own run? Because that is another dagger blow in the hearts of Glenavon fans. They're still in with a shout of 7th but this is just a, a terrible run they're on. It
1: must be very frustrating for Glenavon fans because this season they're performances, the best of them have tended to be seen against the teams that they are not expected to beat, whereas those in the bottom six, their record's just not good enough from that point of view. And Nuri, who had not won a game since they had beaten Carrick Rangers 4-1 on the 12th of November 2022, and who had not won away since the 15th of October, minus, of course, that caveated result against Portadown in which they had the points awarded to them in the aftermath, That was a big result for Nuri. I thought the two goals were well taken. The um, first one from Ola Adeyemo was a a well-timed run behind and a very composed finish with Rory Brown bearing down on him. And the second goal from John McGovern, although it's not particularly good defending by Glenavon, uh, it's Callum Burney with the clearance. It only fell as far out to the edge of the area, but McGovern still had a lot of work to do and he picked his spot well. So... There is talent and there is hunger and there is fight in that Nuri team. And of course, they've got Portadown to come. And you sense that could be a big game in the relegation battle. If Nuri lose that, they could find themselves getting dragged in. If if Dungannon have an upturn and Portadown's continue a resurgence, that is their opportunity to pull away and and to keep a clean sheet as well. You mentioned about their per-scoring run. They did have a couple of very sterling defensive performances in there, particularly in their goalist draw with Larn. So that appears to have came to the fore and they have kept the clean sheet and scored two goals. So I think that could bring them confidence uh, to build off in, in their games to come.
0: You have to worry slightly for Dungannon just because Portadown and Yuri both have games in hand and not of their points are guaranteed, but like we said, a win for Porter Down gets close, knowing that Porter Down have a game against the Swifts in the split. Also, Nuri have that game in hand. That game in hand is against Glen Avon coming up, and another win there, and all of a sudden they're six points ahead of them. Is the momentum not in Dungannon's hands? It's, I just don't know where this is going to go right now. And I also see a little bell ringing. And it's the metaphorical one of Poor Iron fans still saying how different this could be if they actually kept the points. It's overnight. Guys can't talk about it anymore. But if Nuri had lost those three points, it's such a swing, isn't it? Because if you take those three points away from Nuri. They're on 20 points. poor Iron 15. And it's and it's all to play for. And look, I think a resurgent warm point also makes that 11th place Super, super dangerous. Yes, 12 is the trapdoor and you're gone. Neither of these three teams will want to take on Warren Point in a two-legged tie. I think Bourdieu would actually love to do that because it means they have a chance. But it's interesting and fascinating. And look, I also need to reflect on Glen Avon that there is more pressure being heaped on. Gary Hamilton, uh, clearly I don't think a decision is going to be made before the end of the season. It's how they approach the summer. They just want the season to end and move on. I don't think they'll be dragged into it really at this stage unless Portadown really does fall away and Dungannon and Uri nip at their heels. So they'll need to get the odd result here or there to, to get away from potentially being dragged down to 11th. I I don't see a scenario though where Glenavon fall away and Portadown somehow resurge. So that's that. Final game to go on to. Maybe have a moment of silence. It feels as though for Crusaders title charge. Of course they're not out of it. But I think Stephen Baxter admitted 11 points off Lauren. That is a lot of losing Lauren would need to do to make it right for them. And the problem is I don't think Lauren are going to lose to the right teams for them to be in it. We've talked this podcast. Everybody talks about it. They're brilliant at home. And away from home is where they're slipping up. Nil-nil against Balamina just simply won't do. They had their chances. They'll feel disappointed. What else can you say? It wasn't meant to be. And to the European playoff, they will prepare for now.
1: So it seems, unless of course they win.
0: Or they can sneak one of those. They can sneak one of that. that Europe is is the game here, but. Uh, I I feel bad for Crusader's fans because you see so many brilliant results and then you go to Balamina who are also in the wrong end of the table when it comes to the form chart and think we should be winning this. Forget we need to win it. We should be.
1: For sure and there were the chances there. Some excellent goalkeeping and certainly from Balamina's point of view some brilliant last ditch defending. Balamina who have struggle for goals of late, only one goal in their last eight Premiership matches and that, that being in a 2-1 well, defeat to Glenn Torrin that they took the lead in
0: That that really is a stark like I talked, that Glenavon just want the season to end and try and rebuild next year I look at those teams and go they have a lot of work to do in the off season because this has not worked out well
1: No, and Balamina do need I think a bit more firepower from that point of view in terms of putting the ball in the back of the net. Uh, It it seems stating the obvious when you look at their recent run of goal scoring, albeit they also did have a a pretty tough run of fixtures as well that they seem to be just coming to the end of. They did did have their chances. You know, there was a really high quality save from Johnny Tuffy that preserved Crusaders' clean sheet. But all the same, it took Jordan Williamson to spring up and make a couple of excellent saves as well to keep out... um, Paul Heatley and Philip Lowry, who both had opportunities to give Crusaders the maximum points. And we talked earlier about Larn and they're 35 points away from home. Crusaders only have 17 and they have 40 points at home. They have the best home form in the league. 40 out of a possible 45 points picked up on home soil. But 17 points is trailing the rest of the top six by quite a distance.
0: They've dropped points 13 times a season out of 30. And 11 of them have been away from home. You know? So they've, they've only dropped points twice at home. And these aware results are draws against Glenavon, Ballymena, Lorne. Obviously, it's a big game. They get a draw against the Blues. They lose to Lorne. They draw away to Cuffinville. So some of these are big teams away from home. Absolutely. But it's the two games at Mournview Park that they'll just feel gutted about there's five points they could have shoulda woulda coulda you know then then they're up where Cliftonville are so I feel bad for Crusaders Europe's the goal and they reload for next season if they can get that little pot of gold PIL time you're a banger fan it's the league just below the championship I know you'll not want to big up other teams around your title-chasing Banger side. The story of the league seems to be this battle between Banger and Ballymacash Rangers. Interesting little team they are.
1: Yeah, and I think Ballymacash have been a very, very welcome addition to the Irish League. They've got a great fan culture about them. You know, when we had them recently at Trandiboy Park, they noise and they brought some drums and they created an atmosphere and a buzz around the place that contributed to the highest attended game of the PIF so far, that being just a couple of weeks ago. It's an interesting battle. Of course, I would also add Queen's into the mix as well. Incidentally, Queen's and Ballymacash play each other this weekend. It's going to be a big game there. And perhaps by the time this podcast is released, Bangor will have played Limavada United in fourth who will hope to push their way into the promotion reckoning later on as well. But the story at the top for much easier period has been Bangor, the established force, if you like, against Bobby McCash, the new boys, their first ever season in the Premier Intermediate League, and quite a splash they've made as well. Um, It's been an enjoyable season. I think it's the most competitive that it's been in quite some time. Uh, in terms of the quality of of teams and the level of players that are are playing at at third tier clubs, you know it's not to be sniffed at. Even you've got the likes of Moyola Park who invested quite significantly in the summer, and their marquee being the arrival of Ian Parkhill, Corin Royalty, a, a trusted asset under Oren Kearney with over two hundred and fifty appearances in striped blue and white to his belt. So it's a competitive league and with the league now restored to 12 teams again with active relegation. In total, 27 rounds of fixtures. So you have 22, which is a team plays each other home and away and then splits into top six and, and bottom six, with it still only just being past the halfway point uh, in terms of fixtures played. Most teams have played 17. Banbridge who have games in hand, and are also in the Intermediate Cup. They're the only PIL team in the Intermediate Cup the storyline is Banger, the established force against Ballymacash, the new boys to the Irish League, and Queens who have just been relegated but are making a real stab of it as well. They uh, at the time of recording have won nine of their previous eleven fixtures, so they've started to force their way into the reckoning. The post-split will begin the seventh or eighth of April, so we're getting to that point, and I'm looking forward to how the the rest of the PIL season goes, I think there's plenty of points to be won and lost and should make for a very engaging climax, uh, hopefully uh, by the season's end.
0: Let's be fair, PS and I are down, they're out. Um They've got two points after 15 games. uh Their two draws clearly it hasn't worked out well for them. What will happen to the team, let's just say, who who finishes last? It's a bit of a battle royale to get up, or will there be two potential places that could be up for grabs for teams in the further intermediate leagues, Ballamy Provincial, Mid Ulster, etc., etc.?
1: So the best I know is only one team is relegated. So last season's playoff was between the Mid Ulster champions, Bally Macash and the Ballymena League champions who worse St James's Swifts, after uh, Belfast Celtic had received a points deduction. <laughs> From that point of view, it is a battle to come up, certainly, because you've got to prove that you are the best of the best, I suppose, in that regionalised fourth division. And there's a lot of competitive teams down there. Um who'll be staking their claim and and wanting to come up to the the PIL, some of them who'll be looking to return, others who perhaps want to experience it for the first time and work their way up, perhaps, into senior football. Of course, the joy of it is that you have to come through the PIL if you want to make it through to senior football, being the championship and, of course, the premiership, which is the holy grail, I think, of every team. But
0: I may have got... These from unreliable sources, but it looks as though the currently top of the Ballymena Provincial Football League, we're getting the nitty-gritty now, is Coke United after 17 games there on 39 points. Or could Dunloy, after playing 15 games, get it? Two games in hand, they've got 36 points. Dunloy have got a cracking football badge, by the way. Or could Donegal Celtic come up from behind? They've got five games in hand. And have got an 11-point difference. We'll have to see. We go to Mid-Ulster. Money Slain is top of that league with 37 points. But watch out for Crewe United. They've played three games less and have got three points less. And you also have Oxford Sunnyside. Oh my goodness, the Irish League. What is going on? They have got six games in hand over Money Slaying and have got 12 points to get back. Good luck to whoever wins there. Fascinating, we'll see, and uh we'll see what goes down there. We've had a long one today, but I have to ask this out of pure politeness. I asked two questions now to everybody I have on. Thoughts on summer football slash maybe an all-Ireland league. Let's focus on summer football. Good, bad, or indifferent. It's an
1: interesting question for sure. Of course, we've seen the success of the model with the League of Ireland and Shamrock Rovers qualifying for the European group stages, the Europa Conference League group, through playing in the Summer League, of course, and, and winning the league. So they'll be in with the right to qualify for another European group stage next year. In the Irish League, of course, we do like our traditions. We do like our Boxing Day derbies, and we do like our Steel & Sons Cup finals and our Craig Memorial Cups and all the regional cups that take place around that time of year. Perhaps it would be easier for some more than others to move away from those traditions and perhaps take up a a summer format that perhaps increases the quality of competition and provides new pathways in terms of developing and and marketing the league and the talent within the league. It's an interesting idea, summer football. It's, It's interesting that we talk about it. And it's interesting what potentially could be good for the league coming out of that. Of course, with full-time clubs, it perhaps might be a slightly easier transition where we like our summer holidays. We do like going abroad to places hotter than Northern Ireland, it would be fair to say. A summer league would be an interesting proposal. It would be interesting to see what would come out of that. It would also be difficult, I think, in terms of convincing some clubs to to be on board, perhaps those that maybe don't operate full-time Models are perhaps where it may involve restructuring of the leagues that, that may prove maybe not as beneficial. My personal view, I would say I'm currently indifferent and I'm comfortable with the way that it is now, but it would be interesting to see if there was any proposal in, on what a summer landscape might look like. And it may also represent the chance for perhaps maybe even a revival of an old sort of Satanta Cup
0: format. Oh, that's... That's the little QI buzzer that I feel like when we have this conversation. Yes, oh, the heady days of Athlone Town against Dungannon Swift say that the memories live so strong. Fair enough. Agnostic is the answer. Before we dip into the games that are happening this weekend in league and in cup, you obviously feel positive about Bangor going up. How is the club doing? I feel like a lot of us have these. Memories of there being a bit of a fan base out there. Is it a bit of work to do to build up love for them in the town again? Or is there still a, a loyal crew following them week in, week out?
1: I have to say, Peter, in recent weeks, I've been impressed, and um, particularly with the evening games when we played Crusaders in the Irish Cup and when we played Bally McCash in that evening blockbuster in the Premier Intermediate League. I think people are getting behind the club. Being a supporter of a club at that level, I mean, you just get to know people, you get to you get to know their faces and have discussions over your common love of the one club. It's um that's another interesting part of that. I think the standard of Boy Park itself is is really suited at the moment in terms of generating atmosphere as a as a tight stadium where you can be really close to the action just resting your arms on the rails and I think that attracts to people as well. Also licks of paint, you know, a new lick of paint added to the social club, which I think has um, made it popular among people who maybe want to book it out or who just want to enjoy some post-match drinks. The club's really on its way to becoming a community hub as well as a football team that's trying to rise back up the leagues. And for me, that's important to be a part of.
0: I think many people look at yourselves as one of the, the, the few historic stalwarts, club with a fan base that, you know recent success as in let's be fair 20 years you know we're not talking to stay for a long time but we can see that there is potential to grow potential to be up there battling at the top of the championship with a few other clubs that have their little pockets of fans so I think many people will wish Bangor a lot of goodwill I also think we're interested to see what the Bally McCash experiment can uh, turn out to be I think many People would like to be drawn to Ballymacash away in a cup just so they could check out what this Bluebell's all about. So we'll see what happens there. Before we get onto the games, if there was to be a banger player, that big poster of them in your room or in your office, who would they be?
1: A uh, banger players might listen to this and start a riot, Peter, but I'm going to risk their wrath. Well, we've got Ben Arthur's at the club who joined back in 2018 when we were down in the Ballymena League and is closing in on 100 goals for the club. He only requires four more goals, hit that fabled mark that not many players in Bangor's history have, scoring the equaliser in a cup final off the bench when it looked like Don murray wreck were perhaps on the cusp of creating a, a quite epic shock in that Steel & Sons Cup decider on Christmas Eve and scoring a big goal against Crusaders In the Irish Cup that really lifted the roof and scoring as well in that game against Wally McCash. He's a man made for the big occasion and I'll risk my wrath and say if I have a poster on the wall of any one player, it's Big Ben. So Big Ben, if you're listening, I love you, Big Man. And of
0: course, we'll have to reflect, will be lots of people who follow top tier teams. Michael Halliday is still playing for Bangor. Crazy. Amazing
1: top man, Michael. What he's doing at his age and the way that he conditions himself, still scoring goals at 43 years of age, the man is evergreen. And even when Ben Arthurs and Adam Neal, who's just came to the club this summer, and been a revelation, when they have perhaps not been available, Michael's still been the man, a man who built himself up expectations of scoring big goals and Cup Finals and the like, and Irish Cup Finals. He still come on and, and scored important goals for us in our league crusade and in the various Cup competitions that we were involved in in the first half of the season. He's great to have around. He's popular among the playing camp, and the supporters love him as well. So, big Michael, he's he's a great man.
0: We come to that time in the season where we're having Cup games and league games at the same time at the same weekend window radio will be fun this week we'll start with the irish cup quarter final time two non-premier league teams that are playing the welders host lord in a stonker of a tie Ballyclare host balamina i think both have a when i say a strong chance i mean like above 10 percent chance as in I oddly think Welders have a brilliant chance, one of the biggest games that they've had, possibly decades, in that new stadium they have, Friday night, Big Bright Lights, BBC, Lauren caught between all these big games, will they rest players, will they put their starting 11, they've got a lot of great players to be fair, out there, Ooh, I feel like Lauren's going to get that out there, but if it's not, it's a nil-nil with like 30 minutes to go that's going to be a fun game
1: i agree the welders have been absolutely sensational this year i think it's fair to say the first half of the season they spent largely battling against the drop but now they're they've forged their way up into the top half reckoning and while probably it's a little bit too far off for a promotion push, a top half finish from where they were three months ago. I think you have to really tip your hat to Paul Key, somebody who's behind the block. And they've got attacking resources at their disposal for sure. You've got Michael McClellan, you've got Johnny Fraser, you've got Matthew Ferguson, the son of the legendary Spike, all scoring goals and all contributing to a team that's in a very rich vein of form, no less than at the weekend when they... Blasted seven beyond Knockbreda.
0: Breda. There is something to this game. This could be a very, a fairly simple dispatching of a championship team, or it could be an incredible tie. It was a brilliant result for them against Glenavon. And I think there'll be many people pulling for the East Belfast side there. The absolute inform championship side. We flip back the other game. Balamina, go to Ballyclare. Tight little ground. Reminds me of the old Infra Park. Balamina are in turgid form. Two draws the last five. Struggling for goals, as you said. Probably feels like a step too far for Ballyclare, but they nick a goal Are Balamina going to be able to fight to get it, get back into it. Tight little game there, which I'm sure Balamina will want a lead
1: early doors. So there's goals across that Ballyclare team and they have it in them to nick a goal from a variety of different positions on the pitch. Balamina will want to Find the net early, as you say, Peter, and set the tone. Because if Ballyclare strike first, it could make for a very interesting contest. And with the likes of Darius Rui and Calvin McCurry and Gary Donnelly in the fold, uh, who've who've got that pedigree, who can find the net and cause a bit of danger, um, it certainly sets up an interesting tie. And also at the back, they've got the likes of Conal McGrandles and, and Howard Hard and a familiar face at Portadown, of course. So they've got a bit of steel and a bit of set piece threat. It was McGrandles who netted Ballyclare's goal at the weekend. So Balamina will want to set the tone early and, and take the momentum of the game by the scruff because Ballyclare could leave it hanging in the balance.
0: Two other ties take place in North Belfast. Cliffonville hosts Dungannon Swift. Also not in Brilliant for themselves. They. It was a smash and grab when they took out Nockberita in the round before. They'll need to do better against Cliftonville. And Glentoran against Crusaders. Big time tie there. Glentoran have had some great results against Crusaders this season. Also remember, Crusaders are the holders. Seen Baxter talk about how he wants to win this. And as well for teams like Crusaders, Glentoran. To the lesser extents, Cliftonville. They win this trophy. Don't worry about that playoff nonsense. They've got their. Their spot in Europe. You know, that, that's a little prize that's still there. And Touring to Crusaders, you'd have to say, home form for both these teams, how can you bet against them?
1: Well, from Cliftonville's point of view as well, there's that age-old question, will they win the Irish Cup this year? And that for more than 40 Uh-oh. years since they last won it, from Cliftonville's point of view against Dungannon, um, I think they'll Rightfully be considered the favourites to win that and work their way into the finals. Crusaders and Glentoran much closer to call, of course. Crusaders defending their crown. Glenn Toren, who, of course, have already won this competition recently when Mick McDermott was in charge a few years ago under Rodney McAree's administration. Now they will uh, want to wrestle the trophy back into East Belfast and hide that away for good and use that as a springboard to fulfill title ambitions that it's no secret that they have. I think particularly that Crusaders-Glenn Torrin game I'm finding really close to call. And especially when you add the cup context, it is a cliche, I suppose, but anything can happen in the cup. We've seen teams go wide and, and the big occasion just spurs them on, and they go out and they're determined to give their best account. And while Crusaders and Glentoran are naturally expected to be challenging for trophies every season, there'll still be a bit of a buzz around the place. I suspect uh, for for that particular contest, regardless of where the teams are, you know, in terms of their home form or away form.
0: Finally, 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 two games in the league. Glenavon against Glen Torn. Look, most of you, it'll be over by when most of you guys listen to this. Newry host Glenavon. They've known each other recently. And Porterdown host Carrick Rangers. Big permutations when it comes to stuff going down at the bottom of the league. Can Glenavon come back? It's hard to see, but we all know how inconsistent they are. Carrick Rangers look brilliant against Lorne there at phases. Carrick have uh, really had the best of on this season, but they go to Shamrock Park, can put it on get three home wins in a row on Saturday afternoon. There's a lot of drama to be had on Saturday afternoon outside of the Cup. That That is going to be very, very interesting. Hard to call all round.
1: Well, of course, with Glenavon and Glen when Glentorin were fit and they were firing at the start of the season, it was Glenavon who stopped them in their tracks. And Glenavon have had this knack, it seems, of being able to raise their game against teams around them. It's been seen with Crusaders and they've already beaten Glentorin. They beat them 2-1 back at the beginning of November. So they'll be hoping that the players come out and really put on a show for Gary Hamilton, who has been under fire recently and He'll want some of the pressure alleviated. All the same, Glen Torren, after that game against Cliftonville, they have six games to play, all of them against teams in the bottom half of the table and games in which they will be expected, or at least favourites to claim at the maximum points. So it will be interesting to see how they deal with the pressure because, of course, they are teams that they will enter as favourites and be expected to beat, but Glenavon have proved a sticky obstacle at points, as Crusaders can testify of late. And in the other game, Portadown, they'll be on a high. They'll be riding the crest of a wave after two games, and they'll hope to extend that winning run that they've created in those past couple uh, against Carrick. Um, Of course, Carrick Boyd by Stuart King having a contract extension, I think rightfully given to him for the work he's done this season. And Curtis Allen, albeit he'll unfortunately miss the rest of the season, has also uh, extended his deal until 2025. So there's positivity around Carrick at the moment. They'll be hoping some of that positive energy goes into their game at Shamrock Park. But no doubt there'll be a sense of determination about Portadown now and particularly making uh, the most use of their home games as they build towards this herculean effort to stay in the premiership
0: that is going to be some scenes if uh, Portadown can get a result against carrick feels tight there and of course you almost have to say maybe nuri are looking like the favorites for the first time in a long time when Galavan haven't come to town but you know all changes by that saturday result lewis great to have you on a really interesting and fresh perspective to have on the podcast as we run towards the end of the season how can people follow you find things that you post say and think online how can they do it
1: well if you'd like to follow me on twitter i am at bennett lewis 75 and you can also search up the football chatters blog online on the internet um it's just simply footballchatters.co.uk
0: where you can find such articles as a really interesting one reflecting on the history of Oma Town, which I give a shout out to a few weeks ago. That must have been fun looking into
1: it. Oh yeah, certainly. You know, just those sorts of I guess you could call Oma a sort of a heritage club. They've got a rich backstory and and it's enjoyable looking back at the archives from time to time and seeing what the environment was like then. Of course, the Irish League is very much moving forward at the moment and it's constantly evolving.
0: Lewis, thank you very much. I will chat to you and I look forward to chatting to you again sometime Thanks, Peter. Hey, hey, hey. Well done for sticking around. Nice little tasty one with stories about PIL and everything else in between. Big bumper one. Thank you to all the new listeners that have jumped into listening to the podcast for the past few weeks. It's great to have you. If Spotify is the place where you listen to me and my lovely guests each week, if you hit follow on the page, you can get this podcast i think you get a notification to say hey peter's finally bothered to upload this podcast i know it can fluctuate depends on when the guest can record if it's a big edit but usually i'll try and be with you around tuesday or beyond shouldn't be too late depends week to week but you know if you're frustrated with me you know you can look on your page and spotify and be like hey he's done that so that'd be nice if you could follow me there uh you can also rate me on spotify if you want and you can go and answer my question about best young dallas I will put it to my guests next week to see what they think of the results. Until then, follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at KickAmatch, Match, on all those things. Till next time, I'll see you soon. Cheerio. Have a good one.